Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Showing Up to Life podcast and YouTube channel. My name is Art Burns, and I'm excited for a very rare Art Burns sighting here on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> I normally don't uh, get to record podcasts and uh, YouTube uh, videos on Sundays because normally it's a very busy day. Um, however, I have to say sign of the times, two of my clients canceled today because of COVID. Now, of course, we wish them well. We hope that they're safe and they're happy, they're healthy and uh, find their way back to recovery as soon as possible, right? Um, but the fact is that I have an open couple of hours here. And so um, so one man gathers what another man spills, right? So so you are entitled to a, a special edition of the <laughs> Showing Up to Life podcast and YouTube channel on a Sunday afternoon. And I'm, I'm happy to be here with you. And so I shared, um, I did a couple of TikTok videos this morning. No, I sometimes, I usually don't even do those on Sundays. But but again, my, my first meeting was this morning, which was 1130. And then I had one for like just now that was cut, uh, that was canceled as well. So this morning I was like, oh, let me do a couple of TikTok videos with this extra time that I have. And so the first one I tried to do, I just, I could not manage to get the thing done in time. Like it, it was impossible for me to, um, to, uh, tell the story in less than three minutes. And so, um, so I'm going to share this story with you now. Okay. And I'm going to take my time and not try to, you know, TikTok is such a stressful thing too, because there's this little bar that's going across showing you how much time you have, you know, but of course you're focusing on what you're, you know, saying, but you see this bar just going and going and going and going, and then you start talking faster and it's just, it's really kind of funny. But, um, but anyway, it's nice to have more freedom of time with you all. And, um, and so first of all, let me just say, um, how, you know, how much I appreciate you, you know, because I do. Okay. I, I always, always, always think about you all. Um, you know, I just feel so blessed. You know, yesterday I did uh, the second installment of the uh, winter workshop series, which I hope you're able to come to next week because these these kids getting really, really cool. For the second week, we had, you know, like 12 something people. Um, you know, we had almost, I think, 15 the week before. You know, I'm used to like maybe two or three people showing up <laughs> these things, and that's even exciting, you know. Um, some people were returning, some people were new. It's really, really exciting what's growing here, what's what's, you know, sort of blooming and blossoming out of this uh, this work that we're doing. And we're doing this together. You know, you all have been here the whole time. Many of you have anyway. And uh, and I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you because I, I'm i seeing, you know, the growth that's happening here. And it's, and it's kind of a reluctant growth at this point because I also have two kids that I have to take care of. You know, it's like if, if it could somehow leapfrog to the point where it makes me so much money that my wife can quit her job and watch the kids all day, well, then that that's where we'll be talking <laughs> But it's not there yet. And so so it's almost like a reluctant um, blossoming that's happening. But I see it, and it's so exciting, all right? And 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 when I see that and I get excited about it, I think of you. I think of all the, the videos that you've been watching here. And, you know, some of them, I mean, going way back, you know, like Facebook. I used to share all my videos on Facebook, and so I get memories all the time. So I was like, oh, my God, you went on video like that, dude? There was no background. There was no lighting. There was just, there was no microphone. And yet here we are, you know, we're building it slowly, but surely I've got the lights going. Thanks to one of you. I have my microphone, you know, I got this beautiful 
plant in the background. I got my picture of my that my grandfather painted and my guitar in the background, the candle over there, you know, and it's all it's all coming together and, and it feels like it's growing and it feels like it's it's doing what we all thought it was going to do, I guess, or what I thought it was going to do. And, and I feel it happening. But I just, again, want you to know that as I look at what is happening and I feel the potential arising, I never, ever, ever lose sight of the roots, which is you. Okay, so thank you. Thank you, all of you. Thank you so much. And come to my free workshops. They're awesome <laughs> and they're free. You know, I'll take a donation, 15 bucks or something like that. But, but you know, you don't have to. So come, okay? Next week, we're going to be talking about um, informal meditation practices. And this is probably the most important thing that I could possibly teach anyone. So please come, okay? I'll be sending out, you know, stuff in the, in the um, next few days about Saturday. So just, just click on the link. Register for the Zoom and come to the meeting, okay? promise you, you'll enjoy it. I've got people raving about these things. It's really amazing. All right, so let me tell you this story. So the late 1990s, <laughs> I'm going to tell two stories today. This segment, I'm going to tell one of a personal story. And the second segment, I'm going to tell a story, the most powerful story of kindness that I've ever heard. And I think I may have shared this on the podcast before, but I'm sharing it again just because. <laughs> okay, so, so here's the first one, though. 1999. All right. Um, in, in around the nineteen late nineteen nineties, right? Um, you know, at the same time that cigars were were very popular in the part of the world in New York where I was living, so was golf becoming very very popular. And the two of them, the two of them worked together quite well. You know, you would see, you know, you know, cigars and golf are very compatible, right? You know, and and that's the thing, right? <laughs> like so. You know, because of the work that I did at that time, you know, at that time I was a vendor, um, you know, a sales rep kind of guy um, for the advertising community. So I worked with the agencies that, like, imagine if the, the show Mad Men, and you can Google it if you've never watched it, but imagine if that show was set in 1999, okay? That's the world that I lived in, all right? <laughs> and so at that time, you know, you know, again, it was still sort of the the high life. You know, we were still before the the walls came crashing down with the corruption that was existing in this in this business. You know, you had a lot of people paying off people for business and stuff like that. There's a lot of graft, a lot of payoffs, a lot of really ugly stuff. And people went to jail in the early 2000s over this. You know, about 2005, I think, a whole bunch of people went to jail and got in a lot of trouble. Right? I was never involved with any of that stuff, not even a little bit. You know, but the but what was very common. You know, I mean, if people are giving each other checks and, you know, literally I was at one point, you know, the owner of the company I worked with said, oh, I'm going to set you up with this client and all we're going to do is we're going to get him a credit card, you know, from, from that I'll pay, you know, that the boss would pay and, and he'll give you all the business you want. I was like, I don't want to work like that. You know, that sounds yucky, you know? So I was, that's as close as I ever got to it. Right. But, but if people are doing that kind of stuff, like out in the open, like easy peasy, George and Wheezy, right. Then, then. <laughs> you know, then, then you could imagine how common it was for us to like, you know, take people to, you know, a, a, a hockey game, a New York Rangers game, right? And wind up spending like a thousand dollars on the night, you know, go out to steak dinner, go out to the hockey game and go to like a, a gentleman's club after and stuff like that, which was something also I never liked, you know, I used to pay one of the girls to go sit next to me and just 
keep me from having to deal with all of it. You know, like, here, I'll give you $100. Can you just sit here? You know, because it wasn't my $100. It was the company's $100, right? And I don't believe in the exploitation of those places either. But, you know, what am I going to do, right? Like, like, it was part of the job, right? And so another part of the job became golf, right? Because everybody liked to go out and play golf. Again, it was like Tiger Woods was in his, you know, prime and, and golf was, you know, sexy and exciting again, you know, or for the first time maybe. And so the thing is that I jumped right on that train, right? Because I, I really enjoyed the concept of golf. It, it looked fun, it, you know, seeing them make that swing and seeing the ball go soaring up in the air and stuff. It looked like a lot of fun, you know? And so I went out and I bought the clothes, <laughs> I bought the little visors and I, and I bought the gloves and the shoes and I bought all the clubs that you could imagine. I even had like the, you know, accessories and the, the umbrella and the little raincoat that folds up into your golf bag and, you know, even had like a telescoping little thing that you could fish your golf ball out of the water, which I got a lot of use out of that thing, you know, but even like, again, you had like a, a, a little uh, cigar holder, like thing that you could stick into the grass and would hold your guitar, your, your cigar, you know, off from the grass and still burning while you took your golf shot, you know, like, I can't even remember how many thousands of dollars I must have spent on this silly game, not silly game, it's a good game, but <laughs> the fact of the matter was though, that I was terrible at the game, right? Like, I, I always say that the only time the ball went someplace that was good for me, like someplace where it was supposed to go, the only time that ever happened was when the ball bounced off a tree to get there, <laughs> okay? Most of my time was spent in the woods looking for my ball, my golf ball, or <laughs> you know, watching the ripples in the pond where my golf ball went. In fact, one of the people who back then I used to work with and, and, and knew a lot, you know, he actually called my driver the divining rod <laughs> because it would find the water so, so efficiently. And so, and so the, the, there was every, every year in May, there was a golf outing that was like industry-wide for the print production end of the industry, right? So, so that we were all involved with like taking all the ideas and everything and making it into something that showed up in a magazine, right? It was our job to get it into the magazine and make sure it looked right, you know? So we were like the technical people. And so, so like hundreds of people would take the day off. It was all vendors and, and agency people and literally like hundreds of people they would take the whole day off it was usually like a thursday i think um because you went to work hungover on friday i guess it was you know better than wasting a saturday so technically you're taking two days off because what happened was you got to this this country club that was about a half hour outside new york city and first it was this huge breakfast like this buffet anything you could possibly think to eat for breakfast you know and then once that was done there was like a cooler full of beer everywhere you looked on the golf course <laughs> Right? And so you spent the whole day just day drinking, right? And driving around in golf carts and hitting balls into the woods and stuff like that. You know, there were some very good golfers there for sure. I wasn't one of them. <laughs> and so and so so then you spend the whole day doing that. And then in the evening, it was like, again, just the food. It was like we were eating like Romans and there was an open like six or eight open bars everywhere you could look. There was a bartender <laughs> ready to make you a drink, you know, and there was like a whole raffle where they give away stuff. So anyway, this whole day was a big, big deal for a lot of people. For me, it was an obligation, right? It was, you know, like I had clients who I, you know, I 
gave them their tickets to go, right? So I, I had no choice, right? I had to go. And so this one year I'm thinking about where it was actually a little rainy, you know, getting into, you know, like in the morning it was like rainy and the grass was all slick and stuff. And again, now when you're talking about a couple of hundred people, literally hundreds of people, you know, day drinking, you know, this is not running like a well-oiled machine here, right? This is this is slow. This is a lot of people waiting around, a lot of people, you know, standing around watching each other play these golf shots, right? And so walking up to that first tee, you know, I mean, I'm making it sound a lot worse than it probably is, but but when I went up to that first tee, I mean, there was no fewer than 12 people standing there watching and waiting for me to make that shot, right? And again, it was so rainy. I mean, not really rainy, but it's like wet. And I, I remember just thinking, like, just don't fall down. You know, just don't fall down and get all these your white pants streaked with grass stains and mud stains on the first hole. Okay, just just stay on your feet. You know, <laughs> if I could do that, I was fine. And I was sure that the ball was going to slice right into the woods. You know, <laughs> as it always has been. You know, and. um and, and, you know, and I was braced for it. I was like, fine, whatever, you know, but, but of course, you know, I wasn't, I shouldn't say that I'm, I'm, I'm laughing about it now, but at the time, you know, I was waiting for some pretty harsh criticisms, quite frankly, you know, because that was just the culture. That was the community. That was just the, the way that things were right. Like any time we were bantering around, you know, it was always, you know, poking fun at each other, being like, little snipes, you know, like I said, one of these people said, oh, you got a, instead of a driver, you have a divining rod, you know, instead of like, you know, hey, it must be hard, you know, playing like this, but I give you credit for keeping a smile on your face. No, they try to knock you down, you know, and this is the way, right? This is the way that a lot of people act, unfortunately, right? And so I walked up to that first tee, just praying that I wasn't going to fall and I was probably squeezing that club like I wanted to, you know, strangle the life out of the poor thing, you know. But here's the thing, you know, once in a while, you know, when you take the golf swing, somehow, like a blind squirrel, you know, finding a chestnut, you know, you, you just, everything comes together. For whatever reason, everything comes together and you hit the ball exactly the way you're supposed to, exactly where you're supposed to, exactly with the right club speed, and the ball goes sailing straight down the fairway over the little hill and, and you can see it just slowly gliding out into the distance, right? I mean, that's like a one in a hundred shot for me, right? Like literally, like out of a playing a round of golf, typically at that time I would shoot maybe 110 shots. And out of all those 110 shots, I was lucky if one of them was that good. Okay. And this was the one on the first tee. So I'll take it. I should have gone home after that because it went right downhill from there. But in front of all the people, at least I didn't, you know, completely fail. And, and my worst fears didn't come true, right? But now again, in that moment, I remember specifically, you know, thinking like, oh, well, they're going to say, oh, look at Art. He finally learned how to hit the ball or something like that. Or, or like maybe say, oh, look, the, the blind squirrel found an acorn. How fun, you know, or something like that, you know, because they were almost better than me. And that's the way it was. Right. But you know what happened? What happened is and I'll never forget, like, especially the one person who was there who, you know, I remember a few of them, but the, anyway, they cheered for me. They were so happy for me. 
they were Lardy, woo! <laughs> like seriously, cheering for me. Because that's really what's going on, right? Like think about yourself when you look at somebody doing something, right? Like you see somebody trying to, you know, like, you know, cross the street with a lot of stuff, you know, you're rooting for them to make it, right? <laughs> like, go, 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 you can do it, right? You know, when you see people, you know, struggling with things in your life, you know, you, you think like, well, you know, you hope that they make it, right? Most of the time that's true. And anytime that we feel that, you know, we're sniping at each other, we're trying to bring each other down, most of the time we realize that that's coming from a place of, of suffering on our own, right? But when we're feeling good, you know, we want everybody else to do well too. And so it felt so good to have that kindness and to have that sort of recognition just for a few moments, again, the next shot, you know, I probably put right in the woods. And I probably fell down, you know, sooner or later out there. You know, I don't really remember. <laughs> but, you know, but in that moment, I felt the beautiful kindness coming from other human beings, right? Because they knew, right? They knew that I was really probably very uncomfortable. And they saw me struggling. and They wanted to see me succeed, you know, again, it doesn't mean that they didn't make fun of me later on. They probably did. But in that moment, they were happy for me. And so so I was thinking about that, you know, because I'm really, you know, thinking a lot these days about kindness. And 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 I'm going to share another story in the second segment that's definitely going to bring some tears out. Um, but but the idea of, of kindness is something that we all have access to. You know, we all have it. We all have the the capacity, and again, the 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 well, it's available to all of us, but not all of us can access it, and that's because we weren't exposed to it. You know, growing up in a in a family that was very critical and judgmental, and 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 you know, even abusive, and very unforgiving, very unkind. You know, it was seen in my family that kindness was a weakness. Right? And if you were kind, then somebody was going to take advantage of you. You had to protect yourself by being mean and being hard. And so I practiced all my life being mean and being hard, never, ever, ever practicing being kind. So I never learned how to use those muscles. I never learned how to do it. Now, of course, kindness comes naturally on some level, but on some level it must also be practiced, Right? And so I invite you today, right now, even right now, maybe pause this video before you go into the second segment or this audio and just pause for a moment and, and set an intention for yourself. Set the intention that in the next three hours, I'm going to do one kind thing for one person in the world who I don't even know, right? Or, or somebody you know, it doesn't have to be somebody you don't know, it doesn't have to be a stranger, but I'm going to do one kind thing for one human being. Now, a kind thing could be as, as simple as like, hey, I'm going to the coffee machine. Can I get you something? Or a kind thing could be just, you know, meeting somebody's gaze on a, on a sidewalk and saying, I hope you have a great day today. Right? Or a kind thing could be, you know, at a grocery store with the, the young person checking, you know, scanning all your stuff through. You could say, hey, you know, that's a really nice sweater you're wearing today. 
you know, or, hey, Naomi, I, I love the way, you know, that's a beautiful name, you know. I don't know, that may sound a little weird, but, but you know, hey, your hair looks nice today, right? Who doesn't like to hear that their hair looks nice, right? And don't, don't fool yourself. Don't try to fool me. <laughs> we all want to hear that. It was actually not too long ago that somebody told me on a TikTok video, they pointed out, said, said you're having a great day, a great hair day, Mr. Burns. <laughs> and somebody said that on here one day, too. Some of you know who you are. My AC from the Big D. You know who you are. That feels great. I mean, I, I look, I'm not somebody you can probably tell. I do not spend time on my hair. You know, like I, I, you know, drag the brush through it in the morning and that's it. <laughs> and I, I, I wash it when it starts looking too greasy. That's it. <laughs> you know, there's no product. There's no, you know, it's either, it's either in a ponytail or not in a ponytail. <laughs> right. So it's obviously not a big priority for me, and I've never pretended any way otherwise, you know. But when somebody says, hey, your hair looks really nice today, it's like, oh, that feels great. So you have the power to make someone else feel that way. You always have that power. Every minute of every day, you have that power. And it doesn't cost you a thing. And it doesn't require any difficult, you know, strenuous anything. And in fact, it feels really good to do it. It's really easy, really simple. And, and it does something to you in terms of integrating your brain, integrating your vague, you know, stimulating your vagus nerve, all kinds of really wonderful things that's going to happen to your body by being kind to others. So I invite you today, start with this, start with right now and every single day, Set the intention at some point in your day to do one kind thing. If you want extra credit, do three kind things. Okay, but every day, and say every day for the next 30 days. Next two days, if, if that's all you can do. But set a time and set an intention and see if you can follow through with it. And if you don't, forgive yourself. Okay, it's okay, right? But when you realize that you, you haven't been doing it, well, you can do it right now. Right. And it might help to start doing it silently. Right. It might help to start looking at people and saying, man, that person's hair looks really good today. I'm not going to say anything, but it, I'm just feeling it. Right. It might help to do that a little bit. So maybe set the intention just to do that, to just think kindness and do that for a couple of weeks and then do kind act. The point is that if we can live in kindness all the time, it makes the, the sort of compassion is sort of a, a condensed, a condensation of, of kindness, right? It's like kindness is, is all the droplets on a, on a car window and, and compassion is when they all come together in the, in the presence of suffering, right? But you don't have to think about that. Just do one kind thing every day or three, like I said. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed this. I'm going to share with you another story that shows the power of kindness in the next episode, in the next segment. All right, wish you well. Welcome back for segment number two. And I realized that segment number one went way over time. So let's see what we can do here. I'm afraid I might keep you a little longer than 30 minutes today, but let's see what happens, okay? 
So this here is a story that I've uh, I actually just shared this one on TikTok this morning. I tried to share the last one, but I couldn't. As I said, I couldn't tell it in less than three minutes, no matter how hard I tried. Um, but this one I managed to share. And so I know I can do it in less than the seven minutes that I have now. Um, but I was not able to share it without crying. Okay, that so far still has never happened to my recollection. I think every time I've told this story, myself and oftentimes the person I'm telling it is crying by the end. So so please forgive me ahead of time. I, I, I ask for your forgiveness um, if I start sobbing here, <laughs> okay? So this is a story that I learned from Jack Cornfield uh, in a, um, a, um, uh, a workshop, like a four-week workshop I did with him. Uh, amazing, amazing guy, Jack Cornfield. I strongly urge all of you to check him out. You know, honestly, with, um, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh passed, you know, just the other day and, you know, people like Jack Cornfield and, and Tara Brock and John Kabat-Zinn and Dan Siegel and all these people are becoming that elder statesman class, you know, and, and I really recommend checking them out now um, because they're still producing stuff and they're still, they're still coming up. Their, their minds are still active, you know, and so check them out now before, before they too are, are just, you know, before we're just reading books that they published before, you know. So anyway, Jack Hornfield told us this story. And uh, the story's about a math teacher, a high school math teacher, let's say a sophomore year. Um, <clears throat> and uh, and the scene is the the day before spring break, okay? And so so the, this math teacher wisely realized that the students aren't learning any calculus today or any algebra, you know? <laughs> Clearly, they're, they're more thinking about where they're going to be on their spring break or just being anywhere but here in this classroom. And so so the teacher, in her, in her wisdom, said, okay, everybody put your books away and take out one piece of paper and a pen, right? And, and in the meantime, what she did was she wrote down every name of every person in that classroom, right? All the students, right? Let's say for the sake of argument, there were 20 kids in the class. I don't know personally. And so she had them write down the names and then she said, okay, now that you've written down the names of all your fellow students, right? I want you to write next to each name one thing that you find positive about this person. And one thing you like about them, one kind thing about them, right? And so they did it, right? And at the end of this exercise, she said, all right, you know, turn in your papers to me and then go have a great vacation. We'll let you out a few minutes early and I hope you have a great time. Woo, all right, yeah. You know, everybody runs out of the classroom, right? And so fast forward a few months and now it's like a day or two before summer break, right? I think finals are already over and now I just got those couple of days where you're just kind of doing nothing, you know? And, um, and so the, the teacher again, wisely understood that really nothing else is going to go on here today. And so she's not going to fight the, you know, the, the rambunctious, you know, energy of one of kids wanting to be out of school for the summer. And so she said, go ahead and put your books away. It's all right. No more work this year, whatever. Um, and what she did then was that she handed each student a piece of paper. And this piece of paper that she handed each student was a compilation of all the kind things that this, this person's classmates said to them or, or wrote about them, right? So in other words, every, you know, if you were in that class, you got a piece of paper that had, you know, if there were 20 kids in the class, including you, you had 19 different things that people said about you. 
Now, I don't think it was like coded as to who said what or anything, but just hearing that 19 people, or maybe it was 29 people, whoever it was, said these nice things about me, right? Now, that alone is enough of a touching story, right? It's like, oh, wow, why, doesn't every, why didn't any teacher ever do that for me? <laughs> like, you know, gosh, it's so beautiful. But the story doesn't end there. <laughs> In fact, whew, fasten your seatbelts. Because a few years later, this math teacher got a phone call. And the phone on the phone was a mother of one of the students in that class. And the mother was calling to, um, to regretfully deliver the news that, the, that her son, who had uh, enlisted in the military after graduation, had tragically been killed in combat in the Middle East. This is absolutely a true story. And so, um, and so, of course, the and so the woman was the mother was inviting the teacher to the funeral because you know she had known what an impact this teacher had on her son. So the teacher, of course, is like, would never miss that. Of course, I'll be there. So she goes. And of course, there's a few of the students from the class were there as well. And everybody's like, oh, you know, it's almost like a reunion of sorts. Reminds me of what happened on 9-11 with my high school. Lost a couple of kids from my high school and that thing. And, you know, like this funeral thing becomes like a reunion thing. It's like this weird feeling, you know, real like happy, sad feeling, you know. And so I can only imagine that that's what was going on in this scene, right? And so and so as as the boy, you know, after the boy was laid in the ground and, and the ceremony was over, the mother approached the teacher and and handed her uh, a piece of paper that had obviously been folded and unfolded many times and you probably guessed that yes this was the piece of paper of of all of the you know 20 different things that had been written about this this boy right and it turns out that the mother said that you know there was nothing on my my son's body except this when he was killed this was the only thing, the only personal thing he had on his whole body. And the teacher was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that, you know, that, that he would have carried that with him. That's amazing. Like, I didn't think it was that big a deal kind of thing, you know, the teacher said. And so then, like, this girl that was in the class says, oh, I have mine right here in my purse. And a boy says, yeah, I, mine's right here in my wallet. Look. Another boy says, yeah, I keep mine in my pickup truck under the visor, and, and on real bad days, I pull that thing out, and I read it, and I remember, I remember the goodness inside myself because of the goodness that everybody sees in me, right? <clears throat> I'm sorry, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't tell this story without crying because that's the thing, right? Like, like it, it means so much to us to feel that kindness, right? It, it, it's so powerful for somebody to say something that, that they recognize about you that is positive, that is, that is beautiful, right? Because so often, you know, we're walking through this life and, and life can be hard, you know, life can be really challenging at times. And it's, and it's really easy to start losing that, that feeling of, of kindness for ourselves, right? Start to, it's really easy to, to lose recognition of that that is worthy of kindness in ourselves. And the thing is that we're all worthy of kindness and compassion no matter what. No matter what bad we may have done, it does not erase the fact that we also have kindness and we also have compassion and we are worthy of those 
from the world around us. And so, you know, it's, it's really important for us to, to exercise this kindness. Because again, days go by, weeks go by, months go by, quarters go by, years go by so quickly. And so quickly the, the time passes that we see we don't express that kindness to each other. And every moment that goes by that we don't exercise that muscle, that muscle gets a little weaker. It atrophies. It becomes useless. We forget how to use it. We forget how to do it. If we, you know, I mean, we all started out. You know, there's been study after study after study of infants that have been shown that, you know, they put two puppets, you know, one puppet is like, here, would you like something? The other puppet is like, give me that, Ah, you know, fighting with each other, doing all that stuff, right? And I mean, a hundred out of a hundred times, the babies pick the kind puppet every time. So we come into this world with a, a, a genuine innate kindness and compassion and goodness. And so it doesn't go anywhere, but we forget about it, right? We, we stick it off into the corner somewhere and we let it just sit there like a pile of papers in a corner of an office, right? Last year's reports that you don't want to deal with filing, right? And, and as they sit there day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, they just gather dust and they just sit there and they become just part of the background and we forget about them. But those things that we're forgetting about, them, those are skills that we need for this world. Because if you don't come through this world with some kindness, the world's going to beat the crap out of you. It really is. And I can tell you for me, the, the world beat the crap out of me for decades until I started to understand kindness, until I started to understand that kindness has to be there with me all the time. It's like the air I breathe. It's like the sun that gives me my life. Kindness is on that level. And the best thing we can do, the best thing that I have done for myself and the thing that I'm inviting you to do today is to practice that kindness, to get back in touch with it, to, to, to cultivate it, to strengthen it, to nourish it, to grow it, to make it into that fierce thing that it is. Because it has the power to change the world. It really does. As you can see from that story, how that, that one math teacher who was probably underpaid and overworked, how she changed the lives of those young people. And don't underestimate how you could change the lives of the people around you by being kind to them. Right after I heard this story, like literally like the day after Jack told me this story, I did a, pre a project on Facebook where I took all of my friends, right? I printed out the screen of, of the, the friends list, right? And I just went one by one, like 800 people, five people every day. And I went on their profile. And I just looked at their pictures for a couple of seconds and I just wrote something that I like about them. And you could do that too. And believe me, some of the things that I got back from that were like, wow, you know, one person who was like just a friend through another friend who I had on Facebook, the other friend contacted me, says, he said, I don't know what you said to Amy, but she is like, I have never seen her 
in this level of happiness. She's always so sad, so angry at the world. And today she's walking around like, like she's on cloud nine. It's amazing. I want to read you something really quick <clears throat> that, um, <clears throat> that was um, shared with me just the other day um, by a someone who, I mean, I wouldn't even call her a client so much um, because she's never, I mean, she's donated and stuff, but, but she's really just a, a, a person who comes to the, um, the weekly, she's taken a couple of workshops with me, but mostly it's just the weekly free meditation that I do, right? Like we haven't really, you know, yeah, she's come to like a handful of workshops and she's very generous with donations. I don't mean to make it sound like that, but it's not like somebody who I've taught and coached for 12 weeks in a row, right? Like that's not this, right? But just by meditating and just by hearing my messages of kindness and compassion, listen to this. Good morning, Art. It's an email she sent me just the other day. <clears throat> Good morning, Art. I want to share an experience that I just had. In a phone conversation with a United Health call center person, following a typical hello greeting, he said that he could feel the positive energy that I was sending and it was affecting him and he thanked me for it. I felt such a chill in my body from that interaction and still do when I think of it. This practice is phenomenal, and I thank you again for your leadership and teaching. I would not have this without you. Be well and have peace in your heart today. Right now, <clears throat> you don't need to know anything about the background. You don't need to know anything about anything. But hearing that story is like, wow. So just by being on the phone with someone, you brighten that person's day? You have that power too. And, and if you keep practicing, keep practicing kindness, keep practicing compassion, you too. Is gonna, Jack Cornfield told me a story about that too, that somebody who had been practicing compassion and loving kindness for, for a few weeks, she was like, this is not working. I don't know what this is doing. This is BS. Well, somebody walked up to her on the BARD platform in San Francisco and, and this guy in a suit walks up to her and, and she couldn't understand why he was walking up to her. And he says, he says, I don't know what it is, but and I don't know why this is, but you have this energy about you and I just feel like I can talk to you. Can I talk to you about something that's really bothering me right now? <laughs> like it's true. We, we give off an energy of kindness or, or we give off the energy of non-kindness. It's your choice, but you're always resonating something. You have the choice. You have the power to, to resonate kindness, and I hope that you will. All right, everybody. I'll see you in a few days. Next two days are off for me, so you won't see me, uh, but I'm glad I could get this little uh, extra video in, and it's a little extra long, so there you go. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. I wish you well. Welcome back for segment number two, and I realized that segment number one went way over time, so let's see what we can do here. I'm afraid I might keep you a little longer than 30 minutes today, but let's see what happens, okay? So this here is a story that I've uh, I actually just shared this one on TikTok this morning. I tried to share the last one, but I couldn't, as I said, I couldn't tell it in less than three minutes, no matter how hard I tried, um, but... This one I managed to share, and so I know I can do it in less than the seven minutes that I have now, um, but I was not able to share it 
without crying. Okay, that so far still has never happened to my recollection. I think every time I've told this story, myself and oftentimes the person I'm telling it is crying by the end. So, so please forgive me ahead of time. I, I, I ask for your forgiveness um, if I start sobbing here, <laughs> okay? So this is a story that I learned from Jack Cornfield uh, in a, um, a, um, uh, a workshop, like a four-week workshop I did with him. Uh, amazing, amazing guy, Jack Cornfield. I strongly urge all of you to check him out. You know, honestly, with, um, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh passed, you know, just the other day. And, you know, people like Jack Cornfield and, and Tara Brock and John Kabat-Zinn and Dan Siegel and all these people are becoming that elder statesman class, you know, and, and I really recommend checking them out now um, because they're still producing stuff and they're still, they're still coming up. Their, their minds are still active, you know, and so check them out now before, before they too are, are just, you know, before we're just reading books that they published before, you know. So anyway, Jack Cornfield told this story. And uh, the story's about a math teacher, a high school math teacher, let's say his sophomore year. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and the scene is the, the day before spring break, okay? And so, so the, this math teacher wisely realized that the students aren't learning any calculus today or any algebra, you know? <laughs> Clearly, they're, they're more thinking about where they're going to be on their spring break or just being anywhere but here in this classroom. And so, so the teacher, in her, in her wisdom, said, okay, everybody put your books away and take out one piece of paper and a pen, right? And, and in the meantime, what she did was she wrote down every name of every person in that classroom, right? All the students, right? Let's say for the sake of argument, there were 20 kids in the class. I don't know personally. And so she had them write down the names and then she said, okay, now that you've written down the names of all your fellow students, right? I want you to write next to each name one thing that you find positive about this person. And one thing you like about them, one kind thing about them, right? And so they did it, right? And at the end of this exercise, she said, all right, have, you know, turn in your papers to me and then go have a great vacation. We'll let you out a few minutes early and I hope you have a great time. Woo, all right, yeah. You know, everybody runs out of the classroom, right? And so fast forward a few months and now it's like a day or two before summer break, right? I think finals are already over and now I just got those couple of days where you're just kind of doing nothing, you know? And, um, and so the, the teacher again, wisely understood that really nothing else is going to go on here today. And so she's not going to fight the, you know, the, the rambunctious, you know, energy of one of kids wanting to be out of school for the summer. And so she said, go ahead and put your books away. It's all right. No more work this year, whatever. Um, and what she did then was that she handed each student a piece of paper. And this piece of paper that she handed each student was a compilation of all the kind things that this, this person's classmate said to them or, or wrote about them, right? So in other words, every, you know, if you were in that class, you got a piece of paper that had, you know, if there were 20 kids in the class, including you, you had 19 different things that people said about you. I don't think it was like coded as to who said what or anything, but just hearing that 19 people or maybe it was 29 people, whoever it was, said these nice things about me, right? Now, that alone is enough of a touching story, right? It's like, oh, wow, why, doesn't every, why didn't any teacher ever do that for me? <laughs> like, you know, gosh, it's so beautiful. 
But the story doesn't end there. <laughs> In fact, whew, fasten your seatbelts. Because a few years later, this math teacher got a phone call. And the phone on the phone was a mother of one of the students in that class. And the mother was calling to, um, to regretfully deliver the news that, the, that her son, who had uh, enlisted in the military after graduation, had tragically been killed in combat in the Middle East. This is absolutely a true story. And so, um, and so, of course, the, and so the, woman was, the mother was inviting the teacher to the funeral because, you know, she had known what an impact this teacher had on her son. So the teacher, of course, is like, I would never miss that. Of course I'll be there. So she goes. And, of course, there's a few of the students from the class were there as well. And everybody's like, oh, you know, it's almost like a reunion of sorts. It reminds me of what happened on 9-11 with my high school. Lost a couple of kids from my high school and that thing. And, you know, and like this funeral thing becomes like a reunion thing. It's like this weird feeling, you know, real like happy, sad feeling, you know. And so I can only imagine that that's what was going on in this scene, right? And so and so as as the boy, you know, after the boy was laid in the ground and, and the ceremony was over, the mother approached the teacher and and handed her uh, a piece of paper that had obviously been folded and unfolded many times and you'd probably guess that yes this was the piece of paper of of all of the you know 20 different things that had been written about this this boy right and it turns out that the mother said that you know there was nothing on my my son's body except this when he was killed this was the only thing, the only personal thing he had on his whole body. And the teacher was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that, you know, that that he would have carried that with him. That's amazing. Like, I didn't think it was that big a deal kind of thing, you know, the teacher said. And so then, like, this girl that was in the class says, oh, I have mine right here in my purse. And a boy says, yeah, I, mine's right here in my wallet. Look. Another boy says, yeah, I keep mine in my pickup truck under the visor, and, and on real bad days, I pull that thing out, and I read it, and I remember, I remember the goodness inside myself because of the goodness that everybody sees in me, right? <clears throat> I'm sorry, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't tell this story without crying because that's the thing, right? Like, like it, it means so much to us to feel that kindness, right? It, it It's so powerful for somebody to say something that, that they recognize about you that is positive, that is, that is beautiful, right? Because so often, you know, we're walking through this life and, and life can be hard, you know, life can be really challenging at times. And it's, and it's really easy to start losing that, that feeling of, of kindness for ourselves, right? Start to, it's really easy to, to lose recognition of that that is worthy of kindness in ourselves. And the thing is that we're all worthy of kindness and compassion no matter what. No matter what bad we may have done, it does not erase the fact that we also have kindness and we also have compassion and we are worthy of those from the world around us. And so, you know, it's it's really important for us to, to exercise this kindness. Because again, days go by, weeks go by, months go by, quarters go by, years go by so quickly. 
And so quickly the, the time passes that we see we don't express that kindness to each other. And every moment that goes by that we don't exercise that muscle, that muscle gets a little weaker. It atrophies. It becomes useless. We forget how to use it. We forget how to do it. If we, you know, I mean, we all started out, you know, there's been study after study after study of infants that have been shown that, you know, they put two puppets, you know, one puppet is like, here, would you like something? The other puppet is like, give me that, ah, you know, fighting with each other, doing all that stuff, right? And I mean, a hundred out of a hundred times, the babies pick the kind puppet every time. So we come into this world with a, a, a genuine innate kindness and compassion and goodness. And so it doesn't go anywhere, but we forget about it, right? We, we stick it off into the corner somewhere and we let it just sit there like a pile of papers in a corner of an office, right? Last year's reports that you don't want to deal with filing, right? And, and as they sit there day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, they just gather dust and they just sit there and they become just part of the background and we forget about them. But those things that we're forgetting about, them, those are skills that we need for this world. Because if you don't come through this world with some kindness, the world's going to beat the crap out of you. It really is. And I can tell you for me, the, the world beat the crap out of me for decades until I started to understand kindness, until I started to understand that kindness has to be there with me all the time. It's like the air I breathe. It's like the sun that gives me my life. Kindness is on that level. And the best thing we can do, the best thing that I have done for myself and the thing that I'm inviting you to do today is to practice that kindness, to get back in touch with it, to, to, to cultivate it, to strengthen it, to nourish it, to grow it, to make it into that fierce thing that it is. Because it has the power to change the world. It really does. As you can see from that story, how that, that one math teacher who was probably underpaid and overworked, how she changed the lives of those young people. And don't underestimate how you could change the lives of the people around you by being kind to them. Right after I heard this story, like literally like the day after Jack told me this story, I did a, a project on Facebook where I took all of my friends, right? I printed out the screen of, of the, the friends list, right? And I just went one by one, like 800 people, five people every day. And I went on their profile. And I just looked at their pictures for a couple of seconds and I just wrote something that I like about them. And you could do that too. And believe me, some of the things that I got back from that were like, wow. You know, one person who was like just a friend through another friend who I had on Facebook, the other friend contacted me, says, he said, I don't know what you said to Amy, but she is like, I have never seen her in this level of happiness. She's always so sad, so angry at the world. And today she's walking around like, like she's on cloud nine. It's amazing. I want to read you something really quick <clears throat> that um, <clears throat> that was um, shared with me 
just the other day um, by a someone who, I mean, I wouldn't even call her a client so much um, because she's never, I mean, she's donated and stuff, but but she's really just a, a, a person who comes to the, um, the weekly, she's taken a couple of workshops with me, but mostly it's just the weekly free meditation that I do, right? Like we haven't really, you know, yeah, she's come to like a handful of workshops and she's very generous with donations. I don't mean to make it sound like that. But it's not like somebody who I've taught and coached for 12 weeks in a row, right? Like that's not this, right? But just by meditating and just by hearing my messages of kindness and compassion, listen to this. Good morning, Art. It's an email she sent me just the other day. Good morning, Art. I want to share an experience that I just had. In a phone conversation with a United Health call center person, following a typical hello greeting, he said that he could feel the positive energy that I was sending and it was affecting him and he thanked me for it. I felt such a chill in my body from that interaction and still do when I think of it. This practice is phenomenal, and I thank you again for your leadership and teaching. I would not have this without you. Be well and have peace in your heart today. Right now, <clears throat> you don't need to know anything about the background. You don't need to know anything about anything. But hearing that story is like, wow. So just by being on the phone with someone, you brighten that person's day? You have that power too. And, and if you keep practicing, keep practicing kindness, keep practicing compassion, you too. is gonna, Jack Cornfield told me a story about that too, that somebody who had been practicing compassion and loving kindness for, for a few weeks, she was like, this is not working. I don't know what this is doing. This is BS. Well, somebody walked up to her on the BARD platform in San Francisco and, and this guy in a suit walks up to her and, and she couldn't understand why he was walking up to her. And he says, he says, I don't know what it is, but and I don't know why this is, but you have this energy about you and I just feel like I can talk to you. Can I talk to you about something that's really bothering me right now? <laughs> like it's true. We, we give off an energy of kindness or, or we give off the energy of non-kindness. It's your choice, but you're always resonating something. You have the choice. You have the power to, to resonate kindness, and I hope that you will. All right, everybody. I'll see you in a few days. Next two days are off for me, so you won't see me, uh, but I'm glad I could get this little uh, extra video in, and it's a little extra long, so there you go. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. I wish you well.